We got a winner! Churchy's number one biggest number one fan is... John Rimkunas. Nah, that can't be right. John Rim... John Ram... John Rumpkins. Thank you, John Rumpkins, for your support. Okay, back to work! Extraordinary Terrestrials, Chapter 44, Cracked Open. Bud paced outside Karen Lorenz's door. They were late, very late. While waiting, Bud had spotted a hole in the plan. Without a passkey, they couldn't get into the room. Nana had a passkey, but Bud didn't want Nana to know Trip and Maddie were there when Karen made her escape. This was precisely why Bud had stolen a passkey from a nurse who had been mean to him. Earlier that day, Bud was chatting with a kind old man undergoing chemotherapy, and this particular nurse, a tall woman with an ugly haircut, told him he didn't belong there and that he had no business poking into the lives of the chemo patients. Even after the old man protested and Bud tried to inform her of who his grandmother was, she would not listen and brusquely directed him away. Bud hated being told that something was none of his business, so he'd snapped the card off the nurse's belt loop while she'd been preoccupied with some paperwork. As far as Bud was concerned, that nurse could take the entire blame for Karen's disappearance. But as he fidgeted in the hallway, something kept him from using the stolen card to get into Karen's room. He was afraid to be alone with her. From outside the door, he could already hear the weird whistling and chirping she seemed to make whenever she was alone. Bud had never known the Karen that wasn't plagued with whatever strangeness the bog had given her. It had to have been the bog. Although, according to Tripp and Gramps' stories, Karen hadn't been particularly sane before the coma, either. First setting her own property on fire, then running head-on into that fire. He pondered her motivations for doing such things. He pondered her current motivation to create such an animal ruckus. Tripp had assigned Bud the job of mind controller for the day, but Bud became increasingly concerned that in order to control minds, he would first need the ability to read minds, and he was nowhere near to honing that skill if he could just know what was happening in Karen's brain. He eyed the door again, considering another idea Tripp was always pushing on him, the facing of one's fears. Was Karen dangerous while strapped to a bed, sedated, and incapable of maintaining a conversation? Surely not. So why did he fear her? Her chirp switched over to the throaty gulp of a bullfrog. It sounded too real. Bud realized that she might know things he never wanted to know. She'd experienced things he never wanted to experience. 
She could shake his world even more than she already was. And she was, with her animal noises that sounded too animal, and the way she changed personalities so quickly. Bud was afraid of learning something new, because that new thing could be unpleasant. He suddenly found this silly. His grandfather frequently told him, especially on days when he didn't want to get out of bed for school, that learning is always worth it. So, with clammy hands, Bud held up the stolen card to the reader. It beeped, then the door unlocked with a robotic whir and click. The bullfrog's calls came to a halt as he turned the handle and stepped inside. The woman in the bed watched him enter, her eyes wide in their deep hollows. Her stillness did not put Bud any more at ease. Um, hi. He gave a slow wave, remembering how sudden movements always made his great-aunt's dog bark. How do you do? she asked, seeming just as unsure of his presence. How do I do what? She laughed a little. The smile was sad. (laughs) Just a way of saying hello, she explained. I'm sorry. I'm not much used to children. Not human children, anyway. I suppose Karen isn't either. You're... not Karen? Bud noted her calmness, Certainly she was nervous about the events that lay ahead, but she showed it with a stoic acceptance of whatever was coming. No, but I might be able to get Karen if you like. I can try anyway, she replied. He was reminded of times he'd called for Gramps at the station. She spoke like a secretary, paging for Karen. But it didn't look like she was paging someone. Her eyelids fluttered only the whites showing. Then she became tense. There was a gasp, and she was someone else. Karen started, eyes opening wide, searching the room. What, Tripp and Maddie aren't here yet? she asked. Bud had to rouse himself from his astonishment in order to produce an answer. No, he replied, then realized this wasn't helping. I think they're on their way. Karen gave a sharp, anxious exhale, letting her head fall back. Bud noted her hands tense and untense, her legs shifting helplessly under the sheets. Karen was an easily agitated woman. He wanted to distract her. Um, uh, you're Karen? Of course, she snapped. Then she appeared to regret it, examining Bud with apologetic eyes. Who are you? Wait, you're the kid, don't tell me, Bert? Bud, he corrected. Right, she replied, eyeing him again. She was wondering why he was there. Bud wondered the same thing. Can I ask you a question? He figured it couldn't hurt. She was easily annoyed, but she clearly had a conscience that kept her from being too mean. I guess. Why did you try to burn down the bog? Karen's head bobbed back, as if the question had a shockwave. She looked away, thinking. At the time, I hated it, she finally answered. It did strange things, things that broke what I believed in, and in the end I guess it frightened me, with good reason, of course. 
You think the bog is dangerous? Bud pushed further. If anyone knew, it would be her. She'd give him a straight answer. Well, sure, look at me, she replied with a snort. Something in Bud's expression must have given away how little humor he found in it, she continued. But I mean, everything is dangerous. The woods, your backyard, the roads, this damn hospital. She nodded at the machines she was hooked to. Look at all those beeping, buzzing electronics. All these straps on my arms. Imagine this. If something were to happen, say, everyone in this hospital left forever, how long would I be stuck like this, unable to free myself? I'm in danger in this very moment, simply of being abandoned. You wouldn't be abandoned. Nana wouldn't let that happen, Bud argued. She gave him a confused frown. He got the feeling she could rarely tell whether it was those around her or herself that was speaking nonsense. I'm being hypothetical, she tried to explain. But then, all dangerous situations are hypothetical until they become a reality. Hell, if I'd known the bog was as dangerous as it turned out to be, I wouldn't have gone. I wouldn't have tried to get rid of it. But I never could have imagined, even hypothetically. She trailed off, tired of the topic. Her eyes closed, and she seemed almost to be floating. Bud only understood half the things she was saying, but he'd heard enough to know what to ask next. So, why are you going back? Hmm? She looked to him, as if waking from a daydream. Why are you going back to the bog if it's so dangerous? She raised her eyebrows, thinking to herself. Her eyes gave slight darts, as if reading something invisibly printed in the air. The bog no longer poses a threat to me, she finally said. It's now my home. My only home. I'm going home. Bud noticed a small smile reach her lips and eyes. She gave an equally small laugh, then a couple chirps. It's funny, she continued. I've never really felt at home in any of the houses I've owned. Big, empty mansions filled with things. No living things, mind you. Stuff. Mansions and things I bought with money I made from cutting down trees and building big empty houses for people to fill with things. Maybe they thought all those things made them feel at home. Never worked for me. And who's to say I'll feel at home where I'm going, either? Heck says it feels like home. At least I'll have company, and it can't be worse than this. Bud joined her in giving the cramped hospital room another look over. No windows. She would truly be in trouble if she were the only one in the hospital. He had an idea of what she meant, but the question still burned his tongue, insisting. What does hypo hypothetical mean? he asked. Um, Karen gave him the look of someone who has just realized the age of the person they are speaking with. He always disliked that look. Is it a word only adults are allowed to say? he inquired further, trying on his most adult-sounding voice. Karen inhaled, but never managed a reply. There was a soft knock at the door, and she nearly jumped out of bed, squeaking and chattering. Bud bounced out of his seat. "'Who's there?' he asked, grasping the door handle with caution. "'It's Trip.' "'What's the password?' "'Did we have a password?' 
Bud opened the door and let Trip in. He was wearing a hooded sweatshirt with jeans, an appearance very unlike him. He immediately began to remove the sweatshirt. The password is asking if we have a password because an imposter wouldn't know we have one, so they would make one up, Bud explained proudly. Clever, Trip replied through several folds of fabric. He'd become trapped somewhere in the collar of the garment. Bud helped him pull it off, playing a surprisingly vicious game of of tug-of-war. Finally, he was freed. Never liked those things, Tripp stated, his face red and hair toozled from the struggle. Too constricting. Where's the other? The woman in the bed finally inquired. Maddie is parking her car behind the hospital, near the rear entrance. That is where you two will be leaving from. Less likely you'll be seen. Now listen. He glanced at the door, afraid someone would somehow break through the electric lock. He looked to Karen, then to Bud. I love Maddie. Nothing can happen to her. If anything goes wrong, be sure all blame, all blame, is directed at me. Do you understand? You love her? Bud asked, somewhat bewildered by Tripp's wording. He fixed Bud with a steady gaze. Yes. So, but does that mean that instead of just liking her, you like like her? Tripp frowned. Sure. Just understand that above all else, she must be kept out of harm's way. I'll go in harm's way instead. Do you get it? Yes, Bud replied, feeling glum. Since his first meeting Maddie, she'd certainly grown on him, but he still wasn't pleased by how much she dominated Tripp's attention. Tripp looked to the woman in the bed. Do you get it? Yes, she replied with a smirk. Bud was surprised by how infectious the woman's smirk was. A smile made her sallow shell become an entirely different face. She was not Karen, he realized, but she was nothing to fear. He found himself smiling. Tripp, he noticed, was giving her a puzzled look. And here I thought Jack was so much like me, he said softly. Looking at you, though, I know he couldn't keep a straight face. You knew how to tickle him just with a look. She laughed. Didn't always work, she replied. He was sensitive about certain topics. Tripp nodded, and there was a lapse in conversation. The woman in the bed became sad. She spoke again. Jack was very much like you, Tripp, she said. Guarded, cautious, and prone to disaster. I just knew how to crack him open. And he knew how to crack me open. Sometimes it hurt. It was Tripp's turn to look sad. A devastated, lost expression came over him, and again Bud felt the sting of being the only one in the room who didn't understand what was going on. But this wasn't because he was young. This was something else, some kind of conversation Tripp and the woman were having without words. Tripp stirred himself, as if waking from a dream. Speaking of sensitive topics, he said, Not a word of this to Maddie. Understood? Of course, the woman in the bed replied earnestly. Bud nodded. 
Not yet, anyway, Tripp added, looking down at his hands. Bud concluded that this last phrase wasn't meant to be spoken aloud. He became nervous that Tripp would soon do something rash. He became nervous that Maddie would soon do something cruel. It didn't take much for most of the girls Bud knew to become cruel. Granted, that was how most kids his age were. There was a knock on the door, and the three jumped a little, especially Tripp. Come in, he replied distractedly. Can't, Maddie's voice replied as quietly as it could. Bud stood. What's the password? There is no password, Bud, she interrupted. Please let me in before someone sees me. Sensing the urgency in her tone, Bud did not hesitate any longer. He turned the handle and Maddie burst into the room, a wild-eyed grin peering out of her own sweatshirt hood. How y'all doing? she asked. Feeling ready? Bud nodded, Trip gulped, and Karen blinked. I know what you mean, Maddie replied, nodding. I was just telling Bud and Karen, Trip began. First things first, Karen cut in, antsy. I need to get untied and out of this bed. Bud peered at the leather straps around her wrists and ankles. I don't know, this is going to be hard, he said. Those have locks, we can't just unbuckle her. Trip? Maddie jumped onto an opportunity that only she knew the nature of. Go find some scissors or something. We gotta cut her loose. Wouldn't Bud have a better idea of what... He began to protest. I want to run the plans by Bud so he needs to stay. Go, she commanded. Noticing Tripp's raised eyebrows, she smiled. Please? Tripp gave a terse nod and wrestled his sweatshirt back on before leaving the room. After making sure he was gone... Maddie leaned in and grew serious. Okay, listen, she said. I don't care what the two of you think of me, but that boy, that gentleman, she pointed at the door Trip had just left from, I love him. If anything happens today, if anything goes awry, I take the fall. It doesn't matter what happens to me. But Trip cannot get in trouble. You two need to do what you can, as will I, to make sure that that's how things go. Understood? Bud had been surprised by Tripp's confession, but hearing it from Maddie was another matter. Judging by Karen's expression, she was taken aback as well. Bud needed further clarification. So, do you like him, or do you like... Maddie rolled her eyes and interrupted. Yes, Bud, I like like him, okay? She was trying to seem serious, but her cheeks had turned a deep burgundy. Just understand that if anyone has to get in trouble, it has to be me. And for God's sake, don't tell Tripp about any of this. This is ridiculous, Bud stated, overwhelmed by the absurdity of the two friends. There was no way to fulfill both their requests, but he couldn't express this to Maddie without spilling the beans. But okay. What? Maddie asked. What's ridiculous? I agree, kid, Karen nodded to Bud. When you think about it, it's you who should take the fall. You're underage, still technically a minor. It's not like they'd throw you in jail. Bud saw the logic in this. He also saw a rugged convict version of himself, always running from the law, wearing disguises and dodging the police. Gramps wouldn't have it, but it was a fun fantasy. He turned to Maddie with a shrug. She's got a point, you know. No, she does not, Maddie stated firmly. She glared at Karen. That is a wretched idea. If something goes wrong, save yourselves, 
save Trip, and blame me. Is that understood? It was a command, not a question. Yes, Bud replied, out of intimidation rather than agreement. Karen's response was a whistled tittering that Bud almost recognized as something he'd heard in his backyard. Lips pursed, Maddie nodded. I guess we just have to make sure nothing goes wrong then, she said. And remember what I said about not telling Trip. Not telling Trip what? Trip asked from the other side of the door. Maddie launched out of her seat and let him in, not answering his question. There was silence, in which Bud wanted to speak but could think of nothing while Trip battled the sweatshirt yet again. Karen gave a small chirp. All I could find was a scalpel, Trip finally said. Panting and must, he held up the tiny blade. It'll have to do, Maddie replied, rushing to Karen's bedside. Bud, what's the time? Her eyes had fallen on Bud's pocket watch, hanging from a belt loop. Bud held up the watch, then remembered that it had been broken for years. I don't know, he admitted. Tripp glanced at his own watch. Five of six, he stated. These words sent Karen into a frenzy. Her chirping and warbling grew intensely panicked as she pulled at her bindings and eyed the door. What's her problem? Bud asked. Is something specific supposed to happen at six? Tripp asked as he and Maddie tried to restrain her enough to cut the bindings. After briefly pondering the hospital scheduling, it did not take long for Bud to think of something that happened every day in the psych ward around six o'clock. Room checks, he said. A nurse comes around every hour, but they're usually a little early. Tripp and Maddie froze. What? They all followed Karen's gaze to the door, where a sliding noise, followed by a mechanical wheeze, emanated. Quick, behind the curtain, Tripp whispered to Maddie. He pointed to the curtain that could be used to obscure Karen's bed. He glanced at Bud. Act normal. Bud found the instruction to be laughable, but nonetheless he steeled himself as a nurse stepped inside. Bud? the middle-aged man said. Bud recognized him, but couldn't recall his name. Hi, he replied. You been in here alone this whole time? The nurse asked, glancing around. Bud snorted. Well, I'm not alone, he replied with a nod at Karen. Karen nodded back, without seeming to understand the purpose of the gesture. Right. The nurse gave Karen a distrustful glance. So what are you doing in here? Does Does your grandmother know you're here? Just a routine visit. I usually say hi every week. This is my last time, actually, because they're moving her up north next week, Bud said, hoping this was a sufficient answer and that the nurse wouldn't ask about Nana again. What are you doing in here? The nurse began to say something, then he smiled. Just a routine visit, he replied. Karen let out a large bullfrog belch, which caused the nurse to jump a little. Well, it seems all is... W- 
All is the usual in here. I just need to check her figures and I'll be on my way. You can continue your, uh, your conversation with Karen once I'm done, the nurse rattled off hurriedly. Maddie stood behind the curtain, holding her breath. She felt Tripp's eyes on her, but when she looked, he was facing forward, listening intently to the nurse's every move. He had been watching her just a second ago. She knew he had. If it weren't for that nuisance of the nurse being here, this would have been a perfect time for Maddie to tell Tripp something. She didn't know what she would have said, but it felt necessary to tell him something before they partook in this risky endeavor, and she wasn't sure when she'd next have him alone. Of course, even if the nurse wasn't there, even if Bud and Karen weren't there, even if it was just Maddie and Tripp in the room, she wouldn't have been able to summon up the nerve to tell him what she really should tell him. The simple thought of saying such a thing sent her heart pounding, which made her think that maybe she shouldn't tell him. She should never tell him. He nudged her arm with his elbow, and Maddie turned to see him facing her, a hand cupped to his mouth so he could whisper something in her ear. His eyes were still attentive to the shadows moving on the other side of the curtains. Maddie leaned in to hear what he had to say. Probably another detail in the plans. But no. Tripp said nothing. Instead, Maddie felt a soft peck on her cheek. Never before had she so clearly understood the saying, Actions speak louder than words. Extraordinary Terrestrials is written, read, and recorded by Miriam Rumkunis. All piano music was written and performed by Jonas Rumkunis. All public domain organ music was performed by John Rumkunis. All other music was written and performed by Miriam Rumkunis. Needless to say, all rights reserved. Tune in every Thursday for the next chapter. The spring peepers heard at the beginning of this chapter were recorded in South Berwick, Maine, by Freesound user Bud Gillette. A link to their recording is in the show notes. If you like what you hear, please leave ratings and reviews for Extraordinary Terrestrials on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Libsyn. To get a shout-out from Churchy, you can contribute to the podcast Patreon, which is linked in the show notes. You can also follow the podcast and tell your friends on Facebook and Twitter, as well as the website, extraordinaryterrestrialspodcast.com. Lastly, go outside! Let's step away from the typical conversation about climate change to address another pressing threat. Nazis and the KKK. We as a country cannot afford to seek out false gray areas right now. 
What we do now decides whether or not hate and bigotry will grow and be perpetuated. If you don't know what this is in reference to, do a quick Google search of Charlottesville violence, then visit blacklivesmatter.com or naacp.org. Both sites are linked in the show notes. Then, if you're still feeling anxious, maybe go for a walk, join a protest, or a vigil. At the very least, go outside. Thanks for listening. <laughs>